It's the Class Teaching Podcast with James Crane. Welcome to the Class Teaching Podcast, the Durrington Research School podcast. It aims to explore educational research and provide insights into how being an evidence-informed practitioner can support teaching and learning. Educational research does not provide a silver bullet, but coupled with teacher expertise, it can provide us with tried and tested approaches that the evidence suggests may lead to promising outcomes. In each episode, we will draw upon the experience of a teacher with particular expertise in the area we are looking at. Darrington High School is a large coastal secondary comprehensive school based in West Sussex and has been designated a research school by the Education Endowment Foundation. You can follow us on Twitter at Durring Research. The purpose of this podcast is to help busy teachers like you connect with the latest thinking around ideas in teaching. In an accessible and easy format, we realise there is a wealth of blogs being published every week. The Class Teaching Podcast will start with me reading a blog and then spending some time with the author unpicking their thinking. This way you can listen on the drive to work or while walking the dog, rather than having to find the time to sit down in front of your screen during a busy day. Metacognitive Evaluation to Support Remote Learning 10 Tips by Chris Runnicles. How often do you reflect on something you've done once you've done it? Do you sit back after your weekend fry up and consider whether you've timed everything to perfection? Do you finish a garden project and reflect on whether you use the right tools for the job? Do you walk away from a lesson deciding whether you will teach the same way next time? If you, if you do, then you're exhibiting one of the most important elements of metacognitive regulation, namely evaluation. Teaching students to evaluate their learning has always been important and the most successful students have always done so. However, perhaps never more so than during remote learning. With the teacher less able to direct students to reflect, there is the risk they will move on without gaining the valuable insights that will help them do better next time. The EEF's Rapid Evidence Assessment of Distance Learning says as much about the importance of evaluation in Recommendation 4. Supporting pupils to work independently can improve learning outcomes. Prompting pupils to reflect on their work has been highlighted as valuable. However, it is a phase of learning that students are often quite reluctant to engage in. Typically, once the task or lesson is complete, students look to move on without going through a learning post-mortem. In the normal run of things, we can force the issue by building structured reflection into our lessons. The EEF seven-step model for teaching metacognitive strategies proposes this as highly student-led activity that comes at the end of a phase of teaching. During this final phase of teaching a new strategy to students, the teacher would encourage students to reflect on how appropriate the new strategy was, how successfully they applied it, and how they might use it in the future. Furthermore, we can prompt students to evaluate by intervening with the right questions at the right time. These might be developed verbally as part of class discussion or posed for students to complete independently. Evaluating the task as a whole, some questions to think about. Did I stick to my plan? Did I accomplish my goal? How successful was I in all aspects of the task? How could I improve my performance next time? What new knowledge and connections have I developed during this task? 
evaluating specific strategies usually in a task or lesson, some examples. Did I stick to my strategy? Did my strategy work? Would I use this strategy again next time? Are there other resources or strategies that might be useful next time? Could I do this with less support next time? Evaluating themselves in relation to the task, some examples. Did I successfully draw upon my knowledge and experiences? Did I successfully manage my motivation and behaviour? Did I successfully identify where the challenge might be? Did I deal with the challenge successfully? What have I learned about myself? I would advocate using these questions as a starting point for your own, rather than to be lifted directly. While you certainly could use them verbatim, some adaption to fit your phase, subject and context would likely make them more useful to both you and your students. So to remote teaching then. Firstly, depending on your medium, you could use the suggestions previously mentioned, just as you would in the classroom. For example, you could end a live lesson asking two or three of the questions previously mentioned. However, remote teaching is being delivered in a multitude of formats, some of which are outside of our normal classroom parameters. So for that reason, here are 10 suggestions for how you could build student evaluation of the learning into remote teaching. Number one, during a recorded video or live lesson in which you're giving instructions on how to work through a task, explain why you've chosen particular strategies for students to use. Model your own evaluation of why, as an expert, you chose that particular strategy. Why is it particularly effective for the particular task? Number two, if you have produced a worksheet, Google Doc, or similar for students to work through, include a few key questions at the end, taken from the list previously mentioned. These could be as simple as asking them to reflect on the parts of the lesson that they found most difficult and expand by explaining why. Number three, at the end of a recorded video or live lesson in which you're explaining a tricky concept, include a few prompt questions that will reveal to students whether they've fully understood the concept you've explained. Number four, on a class stream at the end of a lesson, ask students to identify what strategies they have used during the lesson. Ask them to judge which have been most successful and how they will use them in the future. Number five, a week on from the lesson, ask students to complete a mind map from memory on what they can recall about the content of the lesson. Ask them to judge how successful the strategies they used were in helping them learn that knowledge. Number six, at the end of a unit, produce a checklist of what you wanted students to have learned. Ask them to rag how confidently they found, they, they found each element. Number seven, using the same checklist, ask students to identify which parts they found trickiest to learn at the time. Ask them what strategies they used to help them learn these tricky elements. Number eight, if using self-marking platforms, help students to see the progression of their scores over time by building in systems for them to record them. Encourage students to reflect on why elements may be improving or not based on the approaches that they are using. Number nine, ask students to rate which parts of your subject or, or if primary, the curriculum, they find, find it the hardest to motivate themselves to complete. Structure some reflective discussion on why this might be and how to overcome it. Number 10, when you can see students have struggled with a particular piece of online learning, rather than reteaching straight away, use your feedback to unpick why they think they found it difficult to complete. There is a, a risk factor here, which is cognitive overload. If we were to employ all of these strategies all of the time, it would be overwhelming for both us and our students. My advice would be, would be a judicious approach involving some trial and error, 
Either way, the more evaluation done, now the better prepared students will be when we eventually walk back through our classroom doors. So I'm joined now by Chris Runnicles, who's the Assistant Director of the Durrington Research School. So Chris, I just wanted to ask you, uh, why this topic and why now? Um, I think metacognition is something I'm interested in and have been for some time. Uh, metacognition and self-regulated learning. I think at the moment there's never been a greater pressure on students to self-regulate and for that reason you know I feel that we need to do whatever we can as teachers to help them with that um, and that's not always easy for teachers in terms of knowing exactly what that looks like and what to do so I felt it was timely to write a blog that might support teachers with what particularly evaluation looks like and how we can kind of help our our young people to, to get better at it. Perfect, thank you. Um, and what sort of research did you use to sort of underpin the blog? I mean, mainly it comes from the guidance report. So that's the Education Endowment Foundation Metacognition Self-Regulated Learning Guidance Report, which is, for me, an excellent synthesis of uh, the research evidence base around metacognition. You know, it's 1,500 different research papers went into that. Um, and I suppose... You know, beyond that, it's just all the other bits and pieces that I've read over the last few years on metacognition, different papers and blogs and, and people I've listened to talk about it. And I, it would be hard to sort of reference all of those individually, but that sort of all plays into my thinking on, on this topic and how I sort of put it, put it together. Perfect. So certainly the best place to start would be the EEF guidance report. Yeah, for anyone interested in, in this, I'd say that's a really good entry point and then that will take you in lots of different directions and you can also sort of drill into the stuff behind that on the EF website and, and look at sort of projects that underpin it and have uh, you know, been the result of it as well, which are really interesting. Perfect. Um, and then obviously you've touched on the idea of metacognitive evaluation. So why is metacognitive evaluation so important? Yeah, I think... Because essentially what that is, is that period in learning when you stop and reflect on what you've done and, and how it's gone and, and then learn some lessons from it. So what things am I going to do differently next time? Am I going to keep that next time? Am I going to change that next time? Are there things that went well, things that went badly? And I think notoriously, I think students are reluctant to... To do that, this is all very anecdotal now, what I'm talking about, but I'm sure teachers would recognise that students, once they've finished a piece of work, are generally uh, um, sort of quite keen to put it behind them and move on to the next thing. Uh, and if we're going to really exploit the benefits of, of metacognitive uh, regulation, part of which is evaluation, we've got to teach students how to do that. Um, and I think, you know, that's hard enough in the classroom, but really difficult to um, encourage students to do when they're not with us. So it's sort of finding ways that we could explicitly teach students how to do that. I think that's what sort of was the spark for, for me writing the blog. Yeah, perfect. Um, and then obviously you chose to come up with the sort of 10 tips. Why did you choose that format? I think metacognition is a really slippery concept. It's hard to make into, into something tangible. You know, when you talk to uh, leaders, teachers about metacognition and, and how they're struggling with it, it's often about translating it into something tangible. Um, and I think, you know, for that reason, it often stays a bit theoretical and a bit 
um, you know, something that you read about rather than something that you do. So, you know, part of that was just making it really practical. Um, and, you know, with ten, a list of 10 things like that, there hopefully will be at least a few in there that people will read and they'll resonate with them and they'll think, yeah, that's something I'm going to try with my classes. And it's those sort of little changes that uh, hopefully can then form into habits that will actually make metacognition part of their practice and, and therefore have the, the difference that we know it can have. Perfect, thanks. Um, and thanks for joining me as well today, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Class Teaching Podcast by Durrington Research School. It's the Class Teaching Podcast with James Crane.